Blog Talk Radio. So hi everybody, it's Wendy here again to part two of our series, I'm Afraid of Dying. So yeah, so good afternoon, good morning and hi everybody. It's um, It's been really interesting today actually, so just not being able to get onto the computer and internet problems and not thinking I was even going to get on. Anyway, here we are. And I also was so aware of sort of like an energy that was around as well. And then I was like, well, hold on a minute. What's my topic? I'm afraid of dying. So for everyone listening and everyone who will be listening, what about if we could just let go of all of our points of views and decisions and judgments and conclusions and separations and rejections around death and dying? And just, you know, how everything that is, right and wrong, good and bad, pod poc, all nine shorts, boys and beyond. And that's just a bit of a weird and wacky clearing statement from Access Consciousness and if you would like to know more about that you can just go to theclearingstatement.com so yeah so as this time of the year with so much going on um, you know what what um, what can we talk about and discuss today because you know it's it's I'm just looking at the question of like what is it that you know about life living and joy that you've been hiding with the fear of dying so it's like what what have you made so inevitable about dying that you decided there's no other choice so before I go on any further, I would love to introduce you again to the amazing Amanda, who is at the other end of the line, I hope. So, hi, yes, Amanda. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, Wendy. I'm really, I'm actually strangely very excited about our series. So, um, I'm looking forward to what we can actually change and what other points of view we might be able to offer up to anyone who desires to have a different, um, a lot more space, a lot more freedom, a lot more awareness, a lot more joy with regards to the things that we uh, think are terrible or wrong, um, which includes, of course, death and dying and feeling fear and all those kind of things. Yeah, so so true. And and look, you know, the question that just pops up too, Amanda, is like, you know, how many people do you know that actually want to talk about any of this sort of thing? And secondly, like we were going to talk today as as well a little bit about you know children and 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 how that's impacted them as well about the fear of all of those things that are made like secretive and terrible to look at, which is, you know, could be anxiety or could be, you know, someone dying. And so how much do they sense that and see it as something that, you know, they've got to be scared about? So, yeah, so what's your take on that? Well, it's really, 
you know, it's really interesting because I think kids are very um, kids are very sensitive or very aware. I, I think, like a lot of us think, our oh, kids are very sensitive, like they're highly sensitive to situations, and so people try to wrap them up in cotton wool and protect them instead of realizing that they're not necessarily sensitive; they're just really, really aware. Which means that if they're surrounded by people who have weird points of view about death and dying, who have their own sort of inner turmoil about it going on, they're going to pick up on that without anyone necessarily even saying anything. And they're going to assume, like with all these kind of energies and things um, going around, oh, there's something wrong. And then there's no real avenue to talk about it because the people they talk about it with very few have any peace about it and if they do have a sense of peace they often have a very particular point of view like it may be a very spiritual point of view or a very religious point of view or a very I don't really know and I don't really want to think about it point of view so um, so it doesn't give a kid a chance to kind of look at everything that they're aware of with a sense of space and not a sense of wrongness or a feeling that they shouldn't this is something that's too much for them because I think that's projected at them a lot as well that it's kind of it's something they shouldn't um, I don't know they shouldn't or can't deal with because they're little and so how did you fact, so so what did um so, because you know, as you were talking in the in the first series, um, you know, as a young child, you know, around five, when you first started having your those sort of anxiety attacks, um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what, uh, how it was for you? And I know we talked about it, you know, on the first call, but also. What else is there there that the listeners could actually, that it could assist the listeners of how you actually were able to sort of move around that or change that? Mm, for sure. So first of all, I do actually want to acknowledge my parents because they always did their best. Like they never um, shied away from that conversation um, and they were willing to have it, the conversation with me as many times as I I asked, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd bring up the fears and I'd, I'd say, and, my, and, you know, my parents were pretty open. Like, you know, my dad was like, well, I was brought up to be quite religious, but I don't really think of it that way. And maybe it's this way or maybe it's that way, but I don't have any real answers for you. And so he'd try to be very life-affirming. And he was also, you know, like he was sad at the thought, you know, he didn't want, he didn't like death. And he didn't like the idea, but he was especially upset at the idea that his his children might die. Um, you know, so he was very kind of, you know, concerned about those things. They were important to him. And my mother was, I think, someone who um, was very was very peaceful and maybe, I don't know, maybe hadn't thought about it a lot. So, you know, but I think the pressure is with adults is that they're trying to find answers to give their kids to make them feel better. But they don't necessarily ever stop and ask a kid, well, what do you know? What are you aware of? And, I mean, parents are all doing the best they can. They're not ever, you know, 
they were, I'm sure my parents never could have had that conversation with their parents pretty much, you know. And so I see how much they were willing yeah. to be open about it. But it's just that, you know, we're just not given given tools. And the things with kids these days is they're so aware. And what I realised later on in life, and this is kind of where I can sort of go back and realise the tools that probably would have helped me a lot more back then, was that I was really aware of things and when I didn't judge, you know, when I didn't judge or buy into certain points of view about death and dying, I could ask, what am I aware of? What do I know? And I started, you know, I started seeking out in the world. I was looking for different information and um, so I could sort of unravel it. It took, I think it took longer as an adult to kind of unravel it. But for kids, it can be really, really simple. I mean... First of all, I would say as a parent or as an adult talking to a kid, what if you could look at your own points of view about death and dying and go, well, is that really real or is that what I've been taught? And kind of find a way to sort of suspend those points of view or leave those points of view at the door. And when you come to talk to a kid and they've got that stuff going on, you can ask them, well, what are you aware of? Are you aware of other people's points of view about it? Is it like if you were to make up your own mind about it, would you think it was scary? Would you think it was wrong? What do you what do you know? And to and to get the kid to sort of look at the energies that that they're aware of and kind of unpack it in that way, because kids really really are aware. Yeah. And this, um, and the other thing too is, you know, kids are very very aware of other things that adults don't see. Now, like this might be getting a little bit, I'm not sure, a little bit sort of out there for some people, but it's pretty common that people sort of see, you know, have had at least one experience in their life where they felt like they have either been visited by a loved one who's passed on or um, seen a ghost or seen something out of the corner of their eye or felt there was some other presence in the room. And kids actually don't have filters to kind of block that all out. They're actually very, very aware. And another thing I realised, I learned to associate this panic and this fear with my awareness of other presence of other entities around me that that didn't have the same kind of physical bodies that we did. And when I actually acknowledged that, and I didn't really want to, in the beginning, I didn't really want to know that about myself, that I was seeing things that other people couldn't see because I came from a very sort of sceptical, you know, my mum was a little bit on the spiritual sort of side, but my dad was very, very sceptical. So that wasn't something that you'd really be able to talk about very easily. So I had to be brave and come to my own awareness on that and just go, look, I know this is what I'm aware of. And that allowed me to change from being afraid to being in the question of, okay, what am I aware of that maybe I can't see with my eyes, but my body's telling me, my own awareness is telling me. And then I also had, you know, other tools that I came across to be able to deal with what I was aware of or to know whether I needed to deal with it or whether I could just go, okay, thanks for telling me there's, you know, there's someone else in the room, no big deal, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah, like that, this that's, gamut of whole gamut of things. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say like that's 
that is um, that is so cool. You know, just summarising that really, isn't it? It's just being willing to to be to ask ask the questions. You know, mm-hmm. and what is it that they know, and also being willing to with the with the children in this particular case as well, like listening to what they're saying mm-hmm. and being willing to just ask more questions about what it is they're saying so is that then you can actually assist them. And yeah. um, and I know that particularly, you know, with my own children, I was able to do that and it was able to change so much. Mm. And the big thing too, Wendy, is to be able to listen without dismissing or to be able to listen without having to come back or have an answer or, you know, to really just be able to receive what they're saying without a point of view. Like you don't have to, you don't have to believe it or buy it, but it's real for them, what they're experiencing at that time. And, and it's amazing how kids can just, if you give them enough space just to say whatever, and then two seconds later they're like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal anymore. Never mind. You know, and it's not a thing that they have to cling on to or hold on to or that has to be real forever even. Um, so, and that's what I find the magic of talking, you know, of, of you know, because a kid might say, you might say, well, what do you know? And they're like, well, I don't know anything. But it's in their world and then they go away and suddenly something, without talking about it more, there's a lot more peace. <laughs> So it's amazing how things can change without a lo- logical or linear or even a kind of, um, what would you call it, completion of the conversation. It just changes on an, on an energetic <laughs> level as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is um, you know, that, that is so true. And there is so many different, you know, like there's just there's so many different areas around this topic and you know I'm just really grateful you know that we're 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 choosing what we're choosing you know over the next over the next this series and the next one but you know and there's just so many there's so many different you know there's areas and then there's the areas of like um you know caring for the dying or just um well, I've got a blank, but you know what I mean. Like there's 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 all the energy around the fear of of the death and dying, mm-hmm. and there's also also all of the like it's sort of like entrainment from this reality in a way. Like oh, when I get to this age, well, of course I'm going to expect that because I'm getting old. Mm-hmm. So this means this and this and this. There's that. Mm-hmm. There's there's um. And then, of course, there's all you know the craziness that's going on in the world as well, and and I just want to you know just want to really just say let the listeners know. Look, it's just it is such a really big subject, and you know and mm. we're just covering that one portion of it today. And mm. um, and look, you know, if you've got any questions that if this is bringing up any questions for you. Um, please, you know, you can email me at swmolder at bigpond.net.au or, you know, go onto the Facebook page and um, and whatever else that... Mm.
Oh no, I think we lost Wendy. Might have to dial back in. I'm not sure if um I'm not sure if anyone can still hear me because it's gone completely quiet. But just in case, I will keep talking. Um so one of the things I wanted to bring up, like Wendy said, this is a really huge area. Um, but one of the things is about how we often make death or change wrong, that it's a wrong thing, that it's a sad thing, that it's a bad thing, that if the world was more perfect, it wouldn't be that way. Um, and that was one of the things that actually working with Wendy helped me change a lot. And when I realized that um, can actually be aware of so much more than what we think. So one of the things I guess that helped me have peace or to change my point of view about dying was the awareness that as an infinite being, you know, like maybe our bodies die, but as a being we continue to be. We're infinite. So we don't really have like a beginning or an end. And so I had this sense of maybe I actually know more about what I'm doing, being in, like having a body, being born and dying. Maybe I actually know more about this than, than I think I do. And so I started asking some questions. Well, what do I know? What am I aware of? If, if I'm an infinite being so much bigger than my body so much bigger than um, just this, maybe even just this life, you know, of being me, of being Amanda, what do I actually know and would I actually be afraid to die or would that just be one part of or one other change in a, you know, as part of being an infinite being where I've had millions of changes, possibly over millions or trillions of years. And suddenly it's like the more I could sort of broadband or see myself in this much larger way, um, death became less of a uh, less of a thing that was out of my control and more part of part of what I'm choosing as I'm choosing to live here and live here and be alive and and experience this wonderful planet with this body. And then what's next after that? Um, well, who knows? But maybe we actually know a lot more about that than we do, uh, than we think we do. So I was kind of hoping <laughs> we might get back on the line. But I guess not. Not yet. Um, she was having some internet problems. So... It'd be really great to have actually some some more questions, but um, I wonder what else can I say? So okay, well maybe um, talk about the actual um, what actually fear is, because one of the things that we do is we make fear a really a real thing. But if you actually look at it, it's kind of just a sensation and just an, an emotion or a feeling that we put into place. It's almost like a pattern or a habit. 
And um, when I started doing Access Consciousness, I was given this information that fear is actually a distractor implant. It's basically something we use to distract ourselves. And so when we... So when we go into fear, we're actually distracting ourselves from the information or the awareness or something that we know that we have available. Um, so, so with that information, I started, instead of making the fear the most important thing, I could look at it as, okay, this is a distraction tactic or a distraction mechanism. Well, if it was, and I don't know if I'm 100% sure, but... I'll just give it a go. You know, I got this information. So if I was like, okay, fear's just a distractor, and I put that to the side, what would I actually be aware of? And it was interesting how much more space. I'm just, Quinty's um, just trying to get back on the line. <laughs> um, how much more space I actually had around that, and suddenly. I wasn't at the effect of the fear, could see it as something, okay, that was like a little switch or a mechanism that I had actually had running, but I could actually kind of separate from it and then ask, okay, what am I aware of? So one of the things is um, with being aware of entities and other beings of that body, so like maybe people passed on and um, I felt I really, I was visited by my um, my grandfather and, and one of my great-grandmothers quite often. But in, instead of being aware of that, I used to go to the fear, like I'd get the heebie-jeebies and I'd be like, have to pull the sheets over my head and and that kind of thing and I'd be afraid. And then I started to, especially after I'd had my bath run a few times and I wasn't having the panic attacks sort of so much anymore, so when that weird energy would come up, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm not really doing these panic attacks anymore. So what what is this? Why would I be having this thing again, this feeling again? And I'm like, oh, okay, am I aware of something? Am I aware of something in the room? Um, and then I'd be like, oh, jangly, jangly. I'd be like, okay. So then I would actually ask whatever was in the room that I was aware of. I'd actually ask it to move away from me, further away from me, so that there was a lot of space between me and whatever it was. And I, and I was almost like, okay, that that sort of fear feeling would start to subside, and I would just start talking to it. Like even if I couldn't see it, even if I thought I was imagining it, even if I wasn't really sure, I would just start talking, and I would, you know, I'd ask it questions and I'd be you know I'd ask who are you are you someone that I know or are you someone that I don't know do you want help from me um so it looks like Wendy's not coming back on (laughs) she said we've got six minutes left okay so hopefully um I'll finish up at the right time (laughs) um so that kind of thing. So I would just start, you know, I'd be like, okay, I don't know if I'm crazy. I don't know if this is going to work. But it was amazing how when I would just calm down and I'd say, okay, I'm talking to this thing, this energy in the room, asking it questions. 
and things would just start to start to change. So maybe I would think I was having a conversation with my pop, but it would be amazing how after a few minutes, all that weird energy would subside and it would feel like, okay, it's almost like when you, you know, you know when you get to the end of a phone conversation and you know you're done and you're going to hang up and you're going to say goodbye and then, and, and that actually, you know, worked. Um, so that was really cool and that really helped me a lot. Um, and another one was just actually asking who does this belong to? And I know we talked about that in the last, show but there are so many like Wendy was saying earlier there's so many uh, projections and expectations and judgments about what's out there like with all the, the the terrorism and the you know when people die in 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 violent circumstances how much we actually are more aware of that than we realize we don't have to see it on the news to know that something's not right or you know, so we're we're aware of all these all these things going on, and we can if we don't acknowledge that. Okay, I'm just really aware of all this stuff going on. Then we can sort of make it. We can lock it into ourselves and lock it into our world and think, oh, geez, I've, I've really got a problem, or I've got a panic attack, or I have I have a fear of dying, or I'm I'm absolutely horrified something terrible is going to happen. And how much is that? your awareness of how other people are functioning in the world um, and so I started to, to realize that I was actually a lot more aware of this a lot more very acutely attuned to this and I guess the next question becomes what do I do about it and I think one thing we have to realize is there are some things that we can change and some things we can't change so if you're aware if you're aware, um, you know, you, you're aware of stuff happening over in another country or something happening to someone, is there anything you can do to change it? And you can ask that question. Can I change this? And most of the time you'll actually realize that that's not something you can change. But you may get there is something you can change. This is why I keep asking, can I change this? And you may get at some point, oh, there there's something feels like there, I can change it. And then you can ask, okay, what can I be or do to change it? And it may just be contributing an energy, maybe having a conversation, it may be putting something out in the world that changes people's points of view. Um, but there's no but there's no um, right or wrong way or, or anything like that. So to me that gave me a lot of ease, just knowing that, okay, I'm aware of things and I'm not responsible for that. I'm not, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I'm aware of this stuff happening in the world. Right now, I may not be able to do something to change that specific instance, but I can keep going in my life and keep asking, what can I change? And and that's a very empowering thing. Um, and, and really, all, the reason we got on this call was because we wanted to empower people to know that they do have other tools they do have other choices and you know you are aware of a lot of things and a lot of the stuff you're aware of isn't actually your problem and isn't actually something that you can maybe do in that time in that moment but you can start to change the way you feel about things or the way you react to things or the way you change things.